Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And every week we gather around this sweet little encouragement table because there are so many things that throw us out of kilter in life, right? There's so many things that pop up and we say, okay, how can I get through this? Or I wonder what my girlfriends think about that. And so today I, I want to bring up something that maybe you've encountered in your church, maybe you've encountered uh, in your ministry or just with one another. But I've got to ask this question today. It's just kind of stirring in my heart. And so, Rachel, I want to talk about what is our motivation? There are so many ministries, wonderful ministries, so many things that God is calling us to be involved in. But he's always checking us and saying, what is your motivation? And when I think about that, I I remember back when Jesus was talking in Luke 18. In, In Luke 18, 18, a certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And the guy says, all these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, hmm, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when we hear that, a lot of times we take that passage and we think that it's all about money. But Rachel, that's not the meaning of that passage. I think Jesus was asking the man, what's your motivation? What is it that's bringing you here today? Because in that day, don't you think that there was a lot of talk and a lot of hubbub about this new movement that was going through the city? And here's this new leader, and I want to be part of what's happening right now. Do you think that maybe this rich young man came to Jesus and his motivation may have been skewed? I think it's entirely possible because it's super hard to maintain pure motives in this world. Um, You know, the motive, uh, our motive is sort of the one thing that we can hide from everyone else, right? So it's the one thing that we can hide, but 
it's the one thing that Jesus always sees. You know, there's just a strong impulse to make sure that you're looking good on the outside um, because other people can can judge what what they're able to see, but um, they can't necessarily see our motives. And, you know, that was true of the Pharisees. The Pharisees on the outside said and did all the right things, and that was really Jesus's beef with the Pharisees. You know, they were religious readers. They were not, you know, they were not pagans. They were not against God. Um, they believed in God. and But Jesus's main beef with them was that while they did and said all the right things from the outside, he could see their hearts and he could see their motives. And he knew that their motives were not um, God-focused, but self-focused. Well, I love that because when it comes down to it, everything is peeled away when Jesus is looking at our heart. I mean, we can we can't cover it up. We can't hide behind it. And and so today I just want to talk with our girlfriends sitting here because I cannot tell you how many people just in the last few weeks have said to me, "If only I didn't have my job. If only I was single. If only I didn't have children. If only then I would be able to really run hard after what God's calling me to do. I could really, I could go to the mission field. I would drop everything right now and go to Puerto Rico. I would drop everything and I would be serving the folks in Houston and Florida, if only. And they look at it as if it is a a glamorous thing to do. And, and I don't mean that in a harsh way at all, because we all wish that we could do more. But I, I have been convicted lately to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Every single one of us, every single one of us has been placed where we are with a purpose. And God says, I want your motives to serve me to be pure right where you stand. This rich guy that came to Jesus, Jesus was saying, hey, right there where you are, are you willing to sell it all and absolutely devote everything to me? And it was not so much about his possessions, but about his heart. There's so many times that in our zeal to really want to do the big stuff for God, the big things that we aren't satisfied with the place that he's planted us today. Whenever you are are maybe looking at someone else's life or job or family or home or spouse or whatever marriage, whatever it is that you're looking at and you're wishing you had all the great rosy things that they seem to have, there's always a host of uh, challenges that comes along with that particular set of rosy. You know, we all have our own set of rosiness and challenges and um, it's just easy to see some someone else's rosy and not see their challenges. I love that because that is exactly what um, what I'm feeling today. That's exactly where I think God wants us to take this conversation around the table today. And you know, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I worked with the radio station at one of the big, huge uh, fairs that are here in our area. I had a guy come up to me and he said, Okay, I've got a question for you. If you could be anybody in the world, 
you know, past, present, you know, dead or alive, if you could be anybody with no judgment at all, who would it be? And immediately, I just said, I want to be me. (laughs) Because I don't know what all their other stuff is. So I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be a big star. I don't want to be a past president. I don't want to be anyone because every single person has their share of baggage, their share of stuff that comes along with their life. And so I know that I understand the challenges that God has given me and he has prepared me uh, along the way to handle those challenges because they're mine and they're personal. And so today I want I want to just encourage you that God has put you where you are because he has prepared you for the place that you are in right now. Sweetheart, I know that sometimes it seems like, why? Why can't I be doing what they're doing? And why can't I have my life look a little different? And I don't have the answer for that. I know that we can pray without ceasing and we can ask God, you know, Lord, direct me in the steps that you want me to go in. And then if we are faithful to take steps in those uh, little things, when God calls us to do the obedient thing, even if it's mundane, even if it feels like, oh, I don't want to wash another dish. I don't want to make another bed. I don't want to change another diaper. But if we are obedient in those things where he's put us right now, then you'll be amazed at the doors that open up because of your obedience today. Would you agree with that? You know, it makes me uh, think of an exchange I had with a, a mutual friend of ours just last night, Savannah. Savannah works as an accountant and she uh, is a uh, survivor of abuse. Um, and slowly over the years, as God has begun to heal her, um, he's brought opportunities for her to speak um, to, to law enforcement and, and, and victims groups and whatnot and, and to begin to minister into the, you know, the areas that she's walked through, the hard places she's walked through. And so she, um, she was telling me last night that an opportunity presented itself. She's not looking for a job. She likes her job and she likes that she can go around on the side and sort of do this ministry work. She's perfectly happy with that situation, but she said an opportunity presented itself for her to kind of make this ministry work that she does a full-time job, helping victims and and supporting them through the legal process and getting them back on their feet and and things like that. And she said that um, when the opportunity first presented itself, she thought, wow, that's a great opportunity, but I I don't need a job. I'm not looking for a job right now. So she, she kind of ignored it. And then she started to wonder if maybe that was God presenting that opportunity. Maybe she should not ignore it just because she's happy where she's at. So she sort of asked some of her friends, hey, you know, what would you do? Would you, you know, 
cl- close the door on that opportunity because it's not anything you were looking for or asking for? Or would you, you know, leave behind what you know and walk through that door? And anyway, my response to her was that I had trouble answering that because I was usually standing at the doorbell inconsistently ringing the bell. I was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Hello, ding, 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 ding. I'm ready for something new. <laughs> so uh, she laughed at that too. And she was like, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, the way she described the situation to me, there were, I saw nothing but upsides and I saw great potential to help others. And it was right in line. It was what things she always wanted to do. For years, she's been faithful in, in doing ministry here and there and, and, and helping victims and speaking and whatnot while doing her full-time job uh, in addition to it. And so um, I'm I, uh, first thing I told her is, you know, just to clear up any confusion, I am not God, so I don't know <laughs> what he would have you do, but it certainly from where I stand seems like a God kind of opportunity. When we are looking at other people's Rosie, as you call it. I love the, that analogy because we are looking at someone else's good stuff, like on Facebook. Oh, everything is rosy. Everything's wonderful. But we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, I don't care what speaker you are, what writer you are, what ministry you're in. There's always things going on behind the scenes. And I remember, and I, I've mentioned this to you before, but When Wendy Pope and I were supposed to handle the Proverbs 31 uh, booth at the Great Big Mops Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, and we got there, it was pouring down rain. And so taking everything in and taking everything out, all these cardboard boxes, we had to keep all the books from getting wet. And so we were just manhandling all of these huge boxes in the rain, trying not to destroy anything on the way. And I laughed as I was walking through the warehouse part of this. And I said, hey, Wendy, do you think anybody thinks about this when they're thinking of the glamorous life of a speaker? Because that's what a lot of people think. They think, oh, ministry would just be so wonderful. But there's so many sides to anything that God calls you to do whether it's the mission field or ministry, writing or speaking, or just being a mom. There are so many things that God calls us to do right now where we are. And there are, there are good sides, there are bad sides. And God says, I want you to have the right motivation. And it's all about serving me. Uh, if our eyes are focused on him and we say, God, I want to do my best right where you have me and to see what opportunities are opening with you. Where are you leading me, Lord? I know that the Holy Spirit guides and directs when we do that. And that's why I say it is super hard to have pure motives all of the time. And honestly, I think that's the starting point for having uh, purified motives is to realize that it is so easy for us to slip um, out of a God-focused um, decision-making kind of lens and into a self-focused one. If we think that that's not a struggle for us, if we think that's not going to be a problem for us, it's going to be a huge problem for us. 
So I think the first thing is, is just to, to realize it is hard to have uh, pure motives. And therefore, it, our motives are the kind of things we need to check with some regularity. Um, because uh, because mm-hmm. it is so hard to maintain in this world. I, I love the, a story um, outlined um, by Jesus. He told the story in Luke chapter 18. Uh, it starts around about verse 10. But Jesus is telling about two different men who go into the church, into the temple to pray. And he tells us that the first guy is a ministry worker, um, which would have been at that time a, a Pharisee, as I mentioned earlier. They were the, the church leaders. So the first guy is the ministry worker. He follows God's laws. He teaches others too as well. We learn that the second guy who comes in to the, to the church that day um, is not a ministry worker. He works um, for the government in a job that is known to be filled with corruption, right? Like a tax collector in those times had reputations for swindling the citizens and keeping some money for themselves. So just from the description of their two jobs that Jesus gives us, I picture the first guy, you know, nice and clean cut and praying with sincerity and I don't know, maybe wearing a white robe or something. And I picture the second guy as sort of like gruff, you know, like dark, intimidating eyes and, uh, uh, you know, black boots and black shirt, you know, and and just sort of going through the motions of prayer, but not really meaning it. And that's how I picture them just from Jesus's description of, of what they do for a living. Jesus doesn't just tell us their, their, their occupation. He also tells us what they prayed. And Jesus says the first guy, the ministry worker, prayed in a, in a manner that was very custom for rabbis at the time. He gives thanks to God that he's set apart as a holy man, unlike the other guy in the room back there. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all I get. Now, the other man, the tax collector, would not even approach the altar. He stood at a distance towards the back of the room, and he would not even lift his eyes up to address God directly. So he's in the back, his head is down, and he wasn't going through the motions of prayer as I imagined. I think he was actually feeling quite emotional because Jesus says that he beats his fist to his chest, um, and he says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Here's the the end of Jesus' story, and it kind of shocked his audience at the time. Jesus says that it wasn't the first guy, the ministry worker, that left that church right with God, but it was the second guy. Um, It was the corrupt tax collector, because he was the only one who actually recognized his sins, recognized his impure motives, and asked to be forgiven. Every single one of us... Uh, you're right, Rachel, has to check our motives on a regular basis because we all slip into that. Well, you know, I'm doing all the, I'm checking all the boxes. I'm doing all the things that I know I'm supposed to do. But when our boxes and our to-do list is more important than our heart with God, then things get flipped upside down. And I think that's what your story uh, gives us an example of. 
So for me, it's just always remembering that uh, it's the odds are high that no matter if I went to church this week, no matter if I did my, my quiet time or my Bible study this morning, no matter if I have prayed today, regardless of that, odds are high my motives are skewed towards self at any given point in any given day. Um, so, to, so to stop and sort of be honest with myself and with God about why I want to do this or why I want him to grant this prayer or why I don't want to do this. That, that is spot on. Spot on because, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times God has been checking me since my husband was sick. You know, I have had this mindset of, okay, I've got to be in caregiver mode. I mean, that's like number one. And I believe with all my heart, that's exactly where God had me at the time. But since then, I have had this tendency to say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I want to make sure that my husband's okay. And so I, I step back from things that God has been pushing on my heart and I I have played it safe and that is so not my character and so recently I have been praying Lord I need you to refurbish me and help me to get back in the saddle again and say God what are my motives what is it that I need to do in this ministry and with my life so that whatever we do at Encouragement Cafe, whatever we do at the radio station, whatever we do in our home life, in our church life, in our private life, brings glory to you. Because Rachel, every single one of us have things that get in the way and distract us and take us off course. And when that happens, our motivation to serve God can get skewed. You know, listen to you talk about, you know, you're, you're wrestling with finding, finding the solid ground to stand on after going through the ordeal with, you know, the health scare and even a death scare there with Dwight and being a caretaker and scaling back everything and focusing on that and then figuring out how, how, where do I focus now? How much do I put back on my plate? Um, listening to you describe that, uh, I, I know what it is, but I want you to tell me what is your one word for, for 2017? Fire. <laughs> the refining fire, yep. right? That's exactly what the mm -hmm. fire does. It burns up all the things that does not matter. Um, and I think the, the refining fire is also a place where we see our motives for what they are. Mm. You know, it has been such an interesting year. And every year, Rachel, when we get toward the end of the year, isn't it kind of fun to look back and go, huh, I thought my one word was going to be this. Like, I remember thinking, oh, God is going to set me on fire and I am just going to be, you know, ready to roll. And really, he was warning me that, my life was going to catch fire and I was going to be yeah. walking through some yeah. fire. And Your hair was <laughs> going to be on fire. <laughs> and that's the way life is. You know, today, as we talk about our motives, every one of us 
needs to keep it in check. Every one of us needs to appreciate where God has us right now, right where we are. And if we are honest and we look back and we say, God, I see your hand. I see how you've brought me to here. So help me to be wise in the things that I desire. And Lord, I know that you promised me that if I seek you first, then you'll give me the desires of my heart. And I know what that means, Lord. That means that my desires become yours. We, we become one. And when you prayed that in John 17, Lord, it was because you wanted us to know what that felt like for our motivation to be absolutely in tune with you. So God, this week, I just pray that every single person listening will grab a hold of their motivation and may it always be centered around you. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a great day and may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online, when you get a chance to sit down and breathe, at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week, where we fill you up one cup at a time. Encouragement Cafe would like to send you our coloring book devotional for a gift of any amount. Find out how to get your copy at encouragementcafe.com.